Welcome back to That's Kind of Wavy. We're your hosts. I'm Nikki. I'm Shaysal. And I'm Jill. If you are following closely, I think we skipped just one week. We're busy ladies. Jilly went on a trip to New Orleans. So how was that, Jill, if you want to do a quick it was, overview? It was nice. Um, I didn't really do like anything new. I mean, we went to some new restaurants and, and all that, but not new in terms of like seeing landmarks or I don't know cool shit I just went and visited all my old favorite places <laughs> how many times have you gone that was my third time nice third time with your family or third time including when we went including when we went yeah nice well I'm yeah. glad it was still fun sometimes yeah. that is like what's fun is going back to like what you know like right. oh I want to experience that again now that I know that I like it yeah so right Yay. Other than that, though, I've been obsessed with Stranger Things. Um, I know Shaysal has been too. <laughs> True. Um, yeah. So that's been really fun. Jill, you haven't had a a hyperfixation in a minute, and so it's like yeah. funny having you. Have a, I don't know how to explain it. Like it's usually like me or Shelby that are mostly talking about it. Like Shaysal still gets them, but doesn't like fangirl in the way that me and Shelby do so to have Jill doing it is like so funny (laughs) (laughs) I'm vibing I think last time you had one Jill or at least a big one that I remember it was two things one um like national park stuff like national park cases of people missing as well as near-death experiences yeah yeah on that conspiracy shit yeah Shaysal how are you yeah (laughs) I was about to transition um well Today I'm feeling particularly brain dead, so I'm feeling very, very, very slow-minded in a weird way. Like I feel like even my 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 speech feels a little delayed right now. And no, I'm not high, uh, but yes, I believe it's because I slept a lot last night, which is good. But I've just not been getting much sleep because I am still on that horrendous work grind, <laughs> rising um, grind. However, yeah, for real. However, I am getting a little bit better. I would not say I have achieved balance by any means, but the percentage of other stuff in my life getting time again is has increased, which is good. Um, I'm trying to like re-establish everything else that I am besides a fucking capitalist robot. But anyways, um, yeah. besides that, I have also been super obsessed with Stranger Things, which I haven't had any sort of like hyperfixation in a while. Which I am obsessed with it. I wouldn't say that I'm hyperfixating in the way that like other hyperfixations have been in the past for me, like just because I don't have the mental capacity for it right now. I literally was going to say, I feel like it could if you had more energy to be hyperfixated. <laughs> yeah, right. This is hyperfixation right. for what you can do at the moment. <laughs> no, literally, because I mean, because I am using all of my free time watching it. Like, I mean, if I ever think, if I haven't, like, I mean, on the weekends, since I'm, like, kind of half-assing my work, um, every, like, I don't know, 40 minutes or so, I'll watch Stranger Things for, like, 15 minutes. I'll do anything to consume. Like, I'm almost done. I watched all season four, obviously, and I started rewatching all of them after that, and I'm two episodes away from finishing season three. So, and oh my I've God, been you've staying been... up till, like, two in the morning. Yeah, yeah I've you... been, yeah. Every, every minute that I've had that's, like, not working has been Stranger Things, basically, and I've not been getting sleep because of it, so, yeah. I was just going to say, I still haven't watched any of it, because I'm avoiding it. I don't know what it is. I but I do that. 
I do that. <laughs> I do that to everything that's popular. Like, which, and this makes it sound like I'm avoiding it because, like, oh, it's popular, so it's not good. It's like, it's popular, so I'm like intimidated, like, or like feel stressed. I want to like it like everybody else. Though, and I realized like the only time I can be into something that's popular at the moment is if I got in like, early on the action yeah and it like grew with my interests but like that's one thing I realized like with like k-pop groups like I definitely do like enjoy them but like now it's like so much and so intense that like I don't dislike it but I'm like I don't even want to dive into that yeah and so it's like I feel like that's kind of how I'm feeling with Stranger Things is even though I did watch it from season one I like don't really remember a lot of it and like I've never been like super crazy into it and so I feel like that's why now I'm like, again, like, I don't know. I don't I know what it is. That, Nikki. No, I get it. It's like, I understand like starting any other like potential hyperfixation is in itself like super like intimidating and even more so when it's like a huge cultural phenomenon and we're in the middle of it being the cultural phenomenon that phenomenon yeah. that it is. So yeah. I, I completely get that. Especially, I mean, with K-pop stuff too. I know yeah. we have to move forward with our topic, but I'll add to that. I've been thinking about this recently it's hard for me like well in general it's really hard for me to consume like media that I'm not entirely invested in in that moment so it's hard for me to like watch TikToks that people send me and stuff like in as they're being sent to me like I have to watch the ones that you've sent that you and Cole have sent and I feel so bad about it every single day it's constantly on the back of my mind because I would never not eventually watch them but I realized it's really really hard for me to like watch funny stuff which is oh really yeah it's like I can watch it I mean obviously I enjoy it but it's like my my status quo is serious so I have to be in the headspace to watch funny stuff because it takes a lot of effort for me to switch into funny mode. And I think that's why and I think that's why it takes me so long to watch TikTok sometimes. I'm like, okay, well, one, I have the perfectionist pressure of being like, I know that you guys would understand regardless. But in my mind, I'm like, if I can't fully 100% give my all into watching this, like interpreting it responding to it well etc then my mind is like I can't even do it and also since it's comedy and my mind doesn't work and funny typically it's like okay now we have to switch on the funny which like don't get me wrong all all of what I'm saying is not don't send me stuff because like I very much appreciate being sent to me it's me saying I feel so bad and I feel bad that I keep saying like oh I'll watch it tonight and it's because deep down in my heart I'm like I'm gonna watch it tonight and then I get home and I'm like I'm fucking dead (laughs) so I can't watch it tonight (laughs) I actually was thinking about how you didn't watch the TikToks, not in a like annoyed way, but just literally objectively like, oh, she still doesn't watch the TikToks. Um, and I was thinking about I'm like, I know it's because like when people send me stuff, like I don't always watch it right away, but like when I'm pooping or something, like that's when I catch up <laughs> on it. Like, you know, like when it's like a transition period, that to me is when I watch TikToks and stuff. And I'm like, I know this bitch can't just fucking chill and watch it casually. (laughs) I know she's sitting there like, where's my notebook? Got to take notes and like taking it so fucking serious. (laughs) So I don't want to like yell at her and be like, just fucking watch it because I want her to enjoy it. But like also relax. Like it's not that deep. (laughs) Literally relax. No, dude, I know. I'm like trying to get it in my head because I realized so much of my life. Again, I'll try to keep this short. I know we have to move forward with our actual topic. But like I've been reflecting on it like so much of my life. I mean, I'm obviously someone that like you know makes moves and whatever I'm very like resilient and proactive and whatever in my life and at the same time like I really am led by avoidance a lot of the time like I do decide some things based on what I want to avoid sometimes even if it's like 
right for me to do. Like, for example, not wanting to go to something just because I potentially don't want to run into someone thinking of someone in particular right now, which you guys know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, anyways, <laughs> I don't think they listen to this. But anyways, but yeah, it's because I also am just so inherently perfectionistic about literally everything that I can't even fucking just watch something casually. Because I'm like, if I can't watch it with 100% of brain power and respond with 100% brain power, there's no way I'm even opening it right now. (laughs) And what's funny too is like the shit, Joe, like the stuff that Cole and I send, it's very much like we call it like Grundy humor when we're talking about her hanging out with me and Cole. It's like when I'm like being like stupid like stupid the (laughs) dumb shit that's like basically like youtube poops makes no goddamn sense like just stupid humor that's like what me and cole send and so that's why it's like also funny because it's like the person who made this probably used 0.01 percent of their brain power and threw it together it was like (laughs) and like posted it and you're like i gotta respect the art of it (laughs) no literally like god damn oh my god well i'm glad you understand yeah <laughs> no, that makes sense yeah now i get it everybody we've all got our quirks speaking of quirks <laughs> interesting sexual orientation quite the quirk <laughs> wow that is probably wow. the best transition ever <laughs> yeah that's a bad joke for the record i'm not we're doing some light humor to cope um because we're gonna continue on with our series about oh i'm fine by the way i'm chilling i guess that's my update i uh i've been feeling very neutral which okay i'll take it like just very antisocial and just like i'm gonna sit here and play sims and do nothing so not always the best but also not bad so anyways so mental state quirks we're going back to pedophilia <laughs> in Hollywood. Again, not funny. We're just coping with humor. So we've covered kind of just like the stories of it and the baseline of it. What are we giggling at? Me? Just that <laughs> transition. I'm cracking up at Chasel. Like the minute that you're like, not funny though. It's Chasel's like. <laughs> she's like, oh, she's like, turn off the funny switch. Yeah. She's like, okay, back to being serious. <laughs> For real. <laughs> So we've kind of went over some individual stories and just the different, we went over the laws and then we went over the ways that they're victimized, things like that. So today we kind of wanted to look into just pedophilia itself in general and the psychology behind it because like how does that happen? So yeah, trigger warning for that. It's going to be about pedophilia in general and then obviously like, not obviously, but there's going to be other forms of abuse mixed in there. So Yeah. So I was just going to start with like the quick definitions I found. So from psychology today, pedophilia is defined as recurrent and intense sexually arousing fantasies, sexual urges, or behaviors involving sexual activity with a prepubescent child or children, generally age 13 years or younger, over a period of at least six months. So you can have pedophilic urges or desires, but to be diagnosed with pedophilic disorder which is now in the DSM-5, I saw. An individual must either act on their sexual urges or experience significant distress or interpersonal difficulty as a result of their urges or fantasies. So it's interesting. Okay, so this was one thing that I was looking into. I one time posted a TikTok 
that was like the way this sound was used was like in the beginning somebody said like oh that's a and then at the end like you say like no it's actually b so i use that sound to be like oh i have a countdown till this person turns 18 and i my like no it's b was no you're a pedophile and i got comments on that being like technically that's not pedophilia because the person like just being like so fucking annoying like shut up you pedophile like the only person who would fucking justify that like okay tell me you have a countdown on your phone without telling me you have a countdown on your phone like so because of that and it does specifically say for pedophilia generally age 13 years or younger i went into all right let's get into the nitty-gritty definition details there's an overarching term called chronophilia and it is a form of paraphilia which paraphilia is basically what you think of as like a fetish like it's just like getting arousal from something like an inanimate object or just something unconventional so chronophilia is the unconventional aspect is an overarching term for when an individual experience sexual attraction limited to individuals of particular age ranges so pedophilia is under that so and what was proposed, I don't know if it is in the DSM-5, but what was proposed was like a wider term called pedo- pedohabophilia, which is, it's more broad. So people who are dysfunctional as a result of it would be diagnosed with that disorder and then broken down into the other subgroups, which there's three of them that are for under for minors, infantophilia, which is what it sounds like. And just, so it's, but it's less than five years old. And then pedophilia is for prepubescent children. And then hebophilia or aphibophilia are sexual preferences for pubescent and post-pubescent youths, respectfully. So people were like, that's aphibophilia. Because it's like, oh, she's a minor, but she like went through puberty. Puberty. But I think if there's a term for it, it showed that that's like a, a... it's not like when you're straight, you're straight. Like, oh, I'm attracted to this woman. That's not just sexual attraction. If it's like, well, actually, that's a febophilia. Hmm, maybe there's a reason that we're marking it as different as like a normal sexual attraction. Like, you don't get terms for being attracted to somebody who's your same age. I mean, I'm sure there's right. technically one just for like psychology's sake, but like, it's just, it doesn't. I don't know. So that argument like drove me fucking crazy. But to cover all our bases, those are different things. When we say mm-hmm. pedophilia, we're going to be describing just attraction to minors in general. But it also should be noted like in the case of like these Hollywood stories and just in general, it usually is like children going through puberty. Basically, it's like at least from like my interpretation of like the stories we've read and, you know, like Dan Schneider whole thing, like all those actors on Nick are like 16, you know? So it's like, I feel like it's like 14 to 16-ish year olds so going through puberty, maybe a little after puberty, but yeah. That's making me wonder now. I didn't even think to look into this. Um, I, I did know about the, like the little, the subgroups within pedophilia with different age groups and stuff. I didn't even think to look though about the statistics on if there's like certain, like more hebo hebophiles. I don't know how to pronounce that word. I yeah. guess hebophiles maybe versus it, like pedophiles. So it's H E B E. So maybe hebephilia. Hebephilia. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I, I I'm curious about what the uh, statistical breakdown is between those because I am curious because you're right in terms of like I know when I've read case studies for you know clinical psychology classes and stuff 
typically like those case studies do tend to talk more about people who are, I guess, fall under pedophile, like the pedophilic type, because children younger than 11 for a lot of like child sexual abuse cases. However, you're right. Like in terms of Hollywood and stuff, it's most frequently, I would say it's um, pubescent people like after. Yeah. Like hebephilia. Yeah. 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 And so it is. I think that's also why it's harder. It's easier for them to get away with. And it's harder to argue because, oh, age of consent is 16 in, like, some states and, like, dumb shit like that and, like, Romeo and Juliet laws, which I think Romeo and Juliet laws have – do you know what those are? No. It's, like, when I was dating my ex, we started dating when I was uh, 16 and he was, like, 17, about to turn 18. So when he turned 18, the age of consent in Illinois is 17. When he turned 18, technically he could be – tried for um why can't i think of the word statutory statutory rape yeah thank you because he's having sex with a minor or somebody below the age of consent but the romeo and juliet law i don't know exactly how they do it but it's for situations like that where it's like you were romantically involved and during that time period one of the partners turned over 18 and you're still within like an age gap so it wouldn't like cover if he was 18 and I was 11 like that would still blatantly be wrong but like sophomore and senior in high school is not like oh my god what the fuck but that is 16 and 18 so that's why that's where Romeo and Juliet laws come in like if my parents flipped out or something and tried to get him on that he wouldn't be able to be charged so but so that's why I think too a lot of stuff in Hollywood they get away with it because it's not the blatant Right. Pedophilia and the way stars are, I feel like you always think they're older than they are when they're that age. And then when they're older, you think they're younger because they do a lot of work on themselves, which no judgment, just observing. So it's interesting to think of. um, Obviously, there's no way that we would ever actually know what they were thinking or do think when people commit those atrocities in Hollywood. It's just interesting to think of how many of them that are in that position, like the people who are pedophiles. And might be within like a closer age range like that if someone is like in their early 20s, let's say, and like dating someone who's 16 or 17, which is obviously like still very wrong. I wonder how much of it in their mind is like them consciously justifying it and not and actually not recognizing that it's wrong versus them knowing, oh, I can get away with this because it's more muddied, which obviously we'll never know. But it's interesting to think about. I actually just watch a different so there's another YouTuber, before we start recording, I mentioned this YouTuber, Jay Aubrey. There's another YouTuber that, called The Right Opinion. And he also does like, he does like two hour long videos on like deep dives and stuff. And I actually really like him because I really respect the way he presents the information and a lot of stuff. He'll be like, okay, for argument's sake, like, blah, like let's say this is true. Like he tries to stay neutral, but then when stuff's like blatantly wrong, he's like, fuck this guy. <laughs> like, So I really like him. If you're into those kind of deep dive. So I watched one on this YouTube Minecraft YouTuber. Of course, it's a fucking Minecraft YouTuber named Mini Lad. He had like 20 million subscribers. Like he's big. Like so I was like, okay, I'm surprised. I've never heard of him, but I guess I don't give a fuck about Minecraft. So <laughs> there was some stuff going. He was just like kind of being a dick to other YouTubers or something. So he was already under fire and then this girl came out. He was 25 and she was 16 and then turned 17 and he's like pressuring she comes with screenshots and he's 
oh my god being well fucking disgusting just first of all because the age range but he's being so he's such a fucking incel he was like please can i like you have to send me a picture you promised when you were drunk you said you would send me a picture and she's like in the screenshots you can read it she's like i don't want to get out of bad morale and he's like please and like sending like the like begging face it's like you are repulsive just in general with that behavior that meant because it was oh it's called the lies and manipulation of mini lad because he's so good at being manipulative and then when the girls actually now i'm just sidetracking but when the girls were about to come out and be like you're actually kind of a total fucking creep and like abuser (laughs) he was like there are so many people that look up to me and if this gets out they're gonna kill themselves and that's gonna be on you it's gonna be your fault that they died like king of gaslighting king well that's a new level yeah so anyways so then after that came out he was like ignoring it and then finally addressed it and he said part of his explanation was i was suicidal so i kind of thought why not go out with a bang Whoa. <laughs> oh my god and so this is where the right opinion is like okay let's say you're like when you're very very depressed your judgment is impaired because you're not properly engaging with the world like your like ability to feel certain emotions is different your like critical thinking is different so let's say he's going like i made a bad choice because i was in a very very dark place and wasn't considering consequences i just wanted like the brief happiness for a moment that's an argument to be made still not okay like still not excusing it but that's like at least like could be made but for him to be like i was like maybe about to kill myself so i'm like what like it's just like Oh my God, like what the fuck are you talking about? But so reason I thought of that is because of what you just said of like, do they justify it? And like, he clearly knew it was wrong, but he was justifying it somehow. He like, so he knew it was wrong and that so much so that he was like, don't let it come out. I'll I'll be ruined and people will kill them. Literally acting as if it will be like mass hysteria if this gets out. (laughs) And then for him to be like, well, it's because I was in a really dark place. Like, so yes, I think that there is some, there is justifying in the same way. Like, I think like addicts justify their addiction of like, oh, I'm not like other people or something. It's like, oh, this situation is different. Or they just go so far the other way and be like, I'm just a disgusting human being. So why not be disgusting? you know yeah interesting i can't i can't believe that it's his case is not that i actually don't really know that much about individual cases of this obviously i've heard of like the big cases and stuff but um i don't follow cases of pedophilia that like frequently so i don't i don't know about like how those hearings and shit usually go i mean i know that they usually get away with it unfortunately but in that case with him it's like crazy to think how much of him was like aware of it being back. Yeah. He's so manipulative that he's like pretty aware of the situation to have to manipulate it in the first place and the way in which yeah. he manipulated was like a very calculated way so it was very intentional and that's so disgusting i mean all kinds are disgusting but that's like ugh, despicable with the type of gaslighting he was doing and the very uh specific type of grooming that he was doing too yeah Gross. yeah he's just a disgusting person so oh one other thing i read that's like doesn't seem like a lot but when you think about the math it is a lot rough estimates put the rate of pedophilic attraction at one to four percent in both men and women one percent of like seven billion how much is that seven million no more than that let me seven let me me, one percent hold on i think it's 10 million or so so it's 70 million 70 million 70 million 
people. People. Like that's a lot. So the and that's the low estimate because if it's 4%, it's going to be four times that. Right. And cuz that's only based on like cases that come out or something, you know? So it's crazy to think of. That was another thing that they said like people often don't admit it, so you don't actually know. Right. Yeah. So. That kind of like segues into some of the research I did and stuff. So with everything I'm going to say, one, um, none of this is like causal, you know, this is just like, this is, I did read an actual comprehensive study, I guess like a meta study type of thing, meta analysis, because it went over a bunch of studies done in the past. Let me see when it was actually made, because I'm not sure. Oh, 2015. So not that old. Um, it's the neurobiology and psychology of pedophilia, recent advances and challenges. And I have a couple of things to say. To preface, obviously, with everything I say, the parts that might sound like potentially weird, I am not in any way defending pedophilia. But from a, a clinical perspective, it is interesting because like like and like a lot of therapists, like when I've read some articles too talking about how therapists like see this a little differently, I would probably agree with it. My perspective would change probably depending on the cases I would see it personally. It's hard because like pedophilia in general, like the actual attraction, even though we don't know what exactly causes it, it could be a lot of things. It's not like that in itself makes someone evil because like there are a lot of people like, for example, pedophilic disorder, that's an, when it goes from pedophilia to pedophilic disorder and something you can diagnose clinically is when it causes someone distress because like there are some people out there who like genuinely have that attraction and they don't want it. And they, and they never act on it. Like, thankfully, in the study I was reading, it was talking about how a lot of them like have those fantasies, but like are very, very blatantly like, I never want to do that, actually, because they know it's wrong. They don't actually want to do that, all that stuff. So it is difficult because like, obviously, by no means am I saying we should ever, 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 ever normalize anything related to pedophilia. But it just is difficult because like, I feel like the actual terrible cases that are constantly happening all the time make it difficult for people to get help to prevent it from getting to that place. Although a lot of people who like feel that way who have pedophilic disorder, I don't know the actual number for how many of them don't do something, you know, don't actually commit some sort of like pedophilic act because yeah. a lot of them don't come forward because of the shame. So then they can't get the proper help that they need a lot of the times. But like, thankfully, in, I understand how they wouldn't want to tell you even a therapist, but like in clinical spaces, like as long as you're not harmed to anyone else or any children, like it's okay to talk about those things, obviously, and to like work through it. I first learned about this concept when I was in my family violence class in college, my senior year, we talked about, we're talking about like child sexual abuse and stuff. And we got on the topic of pedophilia and she was talking about how she has had a couple of, I believe she was a psychologist. Like she had a PhD in like social work or something. So she did work with patients or clients before and stuff. And she did have clients in the past that had that attraction, but never wanted to engage in that and never did at least as far as like she knew. And they would have to develop like certain coping mechanisms. Like they, they would be, at least from what she told me, sometimes those clients are encouraged to date people that like might look younger, but like are obviously of age and everything. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting other world from like a clinical perspective for when there's like a disorder for it, because again, I don't know how many people actually suffer from that. Cause so many people don't come forward, 
But yeah, at the same time, obviously, I'd like to reiterate, I am not justifying that by any means. People who actually commit those atrocities, that's like a whole a whole different story because like that's absolutely not okay and not everyone necessarily experiences distress for it. So the first thing I was reading was um, some studies talking about how, just from a clinical perspective, it's necessary to stress that there are pedophilic men who restrict their desire for sexual contact with children in fantasies only. Um, and other men who are at risk to commit an offense because fantasy alone doesn't satisfy their sexual desire. That's the group that's more concerning because even within that group, fantasy alone doesn't isn't enough for them, but they still don't want to do anything about it. However, because they don't want to come forward because of the social stigma and everything around it, then it becomes like more of a risk for that to potentially happen. No causal effect here, but it makes me think of like, and this is like, I hesitate to draw this comparison because of like, I think you guys and hopefully the listeners listeners will know what I mean, but it's like how drug addiction use now that it's becoming more understood and accepted, more people are getting treatment. Before it's easier to come forward and say like I'm struggling, so more people are getting treatment before they OD or something like that. I feel like it's like that needs to happen with this. Like people who it needs to be. I don't think it should be less taboo when you're committing it, but it should be less taboo if you have those like let's say intrusive thoughts. Or like right. those thoughts that you don't want to yeah. have, like that should be more. Again, it's hard to say normalized, but like more like that's not normal, but it's okay. Like you doesn't make you a bad person inherently. Like you, it could make you a bad person, but like I don't know. You know, like it's the same with like people who have like violent fantasies. Like you want to go and seek help before they like come true, and everyone's right. like good for you for seeking help. It's like I feel like that shit needs to be like the narrative around like pedophilic fantasies just because yeah you want to like nip it in the bud yeah right right it's just crazy because like with this I and mean, it's not crazy it's just it's it's difficult to know where to how to move forward with this specific issue because like for other things like you said with substance abuse and stuff or substance use in general that is something that you know like people should feel comfortable coming forward with and like it should be normalized because like that is like normal to struggle with that and all that stuff for like a lot of the population and any anywhere really but with this it's so difficult because like you said it's like the normalizing it's like yes it should be normalized and it's like it's hard because there's so much gray area in everything and in particular with this because like just the concept of normalization is so I don't know it's like what how much of it do you normalize and stuff with this and it's it makes it difficult for people to come forward and whatever it's just it's so hard because with everything else it's like I'm like yeah you have to talk about it and in this case it's like yeah you have to talk about it but like the stigma associated with this like I feel like this is like grade a like worst things you could do is like you know commit like child sexual abuse like that's just like understood even though in jail like you don't want the other prisoners to know that you're a child abuser like it's better to have like killed your wife than to have (laughs) gotten arrested for child abuse but it literally is like the prisoners like gay like don't be friends with them right so it makes it so hard because i'm like i don't know i don't know how we will ever i mean i have to believe i don't know with most things even though it takes a lot of time and it's hard to see in in our future i like to think that in general a lot of things like i can see that there'd be a solution to it i literally have no idea how we would ever make someone like comfortable talking about this because it's like part like we can't make it comfortable because of how serious it is and at the same time we need to make it like comfortable enough because like for example I know that like for a while and it still exists but I remember when it was more talked about like on Twitter when there would be like there still is that community but you know the people who like say that pedophilia is like a part of like they want to make pedophilia a part of the LGBTQ plus yeah you know and it's like it's so hard because it's like okay yes like that is like 
a general like sexual attraction that you have, but don't normalize it as if it's like, that's like needs to be okayed in the way that like LGBTQ stuff needs to be okayed. You know, it's like, I, I well, it's know. like, we, are we going to make every single fetish part of that, like a sexual orientation? It's not a sexual orientation. It's a like fetish. It's something you get arousal from. Like, right. And you shouldn't you can't right. add every single fetish to the LGBT community. It's just not how it works. Right. And it's so hard because I'm like, yes, like normalized being able to talk about it so that people can get help. And at the same time, it's like, okay, but let's not celebrate it, which is inherently like making it more shameful. You know, I don't know. It's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard. It's so hard to find everything else that like needs to be brought to light. I work so hard and like want to as a society like remove shame from. And it's hard because with this, like, unfortunately, it's like it's almost like there needs to be a level of shame to prevent something yeah. from actually happening. But not enough yeah. shame where it's like not letting people get help. But anyways, yeah. back to the psychology and possible neurobiological reasons behind pedophilia or at least associations with pedophilia that we've found. So first of all, in diagnosing pedophilia, one of the common ways that people have used, although there's other things too, um, there's something which I know that they use this test for other things, like even for erectile dysfunction and stuff to see how much of it is psychological versus actually physically being unable to get hard. There's something called oh, phallometry, I think is how you pronounce it. So you like measure it. There's like something that goes around someone's penis and they like <laughs> measure, <laughs> it like measures literally the girth <laughs> to see if when, if when they're, when they're given, this is getting explicit, but I'm trying to talk <laughs> about it scientifically because it is scientific. But anyways, they measure it that way when they show them stimulus, stimulus of like children or something. I don't think that they, I don't think in studies they've shown them like straight up you know, child pornography, yeah. I don't think. I would hope yeah. not because that would be super fucking illegal. But anyways, like just general like stimuli and they see if that person gets aroused and that's one way in which they assess that. And also it's one way in which they assess what type of pedophilia they might experience. So they they have something called the Tanner scales, which the Tanner scales show different like, for example, if we're talking about if, they, if they're attracted to people with penises, for example, they show like different sizes and stuff like a drawing of it. And same with people with like boobs and vaginas and whatever. And then they decide if someone is like hebophilic or pedophilic, depending on that, depending on what they are aroused by, as well as things like people dilation um, and stuff like that, which I know this isn't inherently bad because it is like this is like, I guess, like science for some of these things. But I can't help but just feel like super grossed out and appalled by the fact that like obviously like women can perpetrate these things too, as we all know, um, and that needs to be known by people because we treat it like it's not as serious and it is. But it's just like hard to see that in these studies, it's shown that like men just tend to be the ones that are more aroused by this stuff. Yeah. And that just like grosses me out a lot. Just like the, the general idea in general that like men are just so easily like just led by sexual arousal just really 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 grosses me out but anyways that was something i saw in this study which was not really surprising to hear they had something they were talking about some general association they were trying to see if they had any sort of like differences in their brains and stuff and it's also hard because a lot of the studies that they've done have been on incarcer incarcerated populations because that's when they've been like you know they know that they have like committed some sort of like pedophilic act and stuff but that's mm -hmm. hard because there are so many, so many like confounding factors that have to do with that, especially even things like, I don't know, the actual environment that they're in, as well as the other things, psychological things that would have led you to be in prison, incarcerated, just just a, bu a bunch yeah. of stuff that make it hard to distinguish how much of it has to do with pedophilia. But they did find that there was 
Okay, so they found a relationship between pedophilia and comorbid psychiatric disorders, which isn't surprising. So among pedophiles in residential or outpatient treatment, two-thirds had a lifetime history of mood or anxiety disorders, 60% had lifetime substance abuse history, 60% qualified for a personality disorder diagnosis. Surprisingly, actually, I'm surprised that it's these kind of. Obsessive compulsive is 25%. Antisocial, 22.5%, which antisocial personality disorder. I think you guys know this, but for our listeners, that's what people, um, that's what so, like being a sociopath is, is the diagnosis is antisocial personality disorder. That one I'm not surprised by. I feel like that's pretty common, especially people yeah. who have been incarcerated for something like that, as well as narcissistic and avoidant personality disorder. This was like really interesting to me. So non-pedophilic offenders showed general impairments with like, I don't know, general like brain stuff. They didn't specify what. Whereas pedophilic offenders had like specific type of impairments that were pretty correlated with like ADHD, honestly. Like I'm not saying people huh. with ADHD have are pedophilic, <laughs> but it's just interesting. Like it's like, they have similar like executive functioning issues. So both types of pedophilic um, men, which that were incarcerated in this study, which I believe it was ones that like maybe had ideation of it versus ones that like actually committed it. But general in general, both that had attraction towards minors. They both showed slower information processing speeds, um, semantic knowledge impairments. They showed impaired performance on behavioral inhibition, which like that isn't surprising at all. But that's also something that's like commonly, I mean, that is a part of ADHD for a lot of people. They also, I don't know, it's weird, like in pedophilic and non-pedophilic child molesters in both of them. So not every, just everyone that has some sort of like child molesting involved, I guess, their overall IQ is lower higher frequency of left-handedness which is also ra- randomly associated with being homosexual so that's oh, interesting i thought you were gonna say being evil <laughs> is that <laughs> no that's like an old belief that's an old belief i remember yeah. if you were left-handed you were like possessed by yeah the but that makes sense why they also assume that that means homosexuality that's- too I like yeah. forgot about. I mean, I, I remember learning about that in school at one point, but I didn't think about that in connection to this. Is it, in, it is interesting that they found this higher frequency and with homosexuality too, which obviously isn't bad, but like people, you know, have made it seem like it's evil as well as yeah. being left handed. So yeah. I can see the association, I guess. It's interesting, like somewhere in this study, which I'll get to um, in a little bit, it also talked about some of the when they were actually studying the brain potential brain differences they were talking about how it was like i don't know something they found some correlation which, between people who have experienced some sort of or have exhibited some sort of like pedophilic behavior before they had some sort of correlation with like some part of their brain that had to do with like their hands and dexterity and stuff like that which was really interesting cuz i don't really know what i don't really know what to make of that but i think that's yeah. where they found the specific thing about the left-handedness but uh, some specific things that they noticed in just pedophilic child molesters as opposed to non-pedophilic ones as well, which I'm assuming in this case by the child molestation, they probably mean, given that they included non-pedophilic ones, they probably also mean, I don't know, people who like maybe physical abuse or something, maybe not sexual molestation. Well, I was going to say, could it be like, oh, but I guess if they act on it, that's when you can get diagnosed with like pedophilic disorder. So I was going to, could they not be diagnosed? But yeah, I'm I wonder if it's they didn't derive pleasure from it, but they still did it as like a power thing. That's probably what it is. That's probably exactly what it is. I think you're right. 
So, but the ones specific that were um, that were just pedophilic child molesters, there was a cognitive de- deficit in verbal word fluency, verbal and spatial working memory, emotion recognition, and empathy. Which, like that third one, I can definitely very much see associated with antisocial personality disorder because that's a big part of what that is. Attention and executive functioning. So it's just like weird because a lot of those are associated with ADHD too. Which I don't think, again, I don't think that the correlation is, you know, the ADHD aspect. I think the correlation is how much of the prefrontal cortex, which is a big part of what's impaired in ADHD and similar disorders, how much of that controls like inhibition and stuff like that. Because I can see and just executive functioning, because if anything, I feel like that's what's the correlation here. It sounds like their brain is immature. Like it's like they they are attracted to younger people because that's like where their prefrontal frontal cortex like development or abilities are at that's a good point yeah that's a really i i hadn't thought of it that way but that's really interesting to think of it that way just that like their mind is at like a lower age or something yeah interesting i mean again that's conjecture right do you know is that all influenced mainly by just genetics or does that also like is does your environment also influence how those things develop your environment does influence it and i saw this this might kind of answer your question this study was very or this meta study was very uh, specifically oriented towards neuropsychology and neurobiology so they probably didn't focus as much on like the behavioral psychological aspect of it but they did mm-hmm. mention it and there are just environmental factors and something they did mention which i'm trying to find in my notes was they talked about how a lot a lot of people that have experienced that, that are pet, that do exhibit pedophilic behaviors a lot of them have experienced some sort of they didn't call it traumatic brain injury they called it i mean just being like hit in the head but basically like that is a traumatic brain injury it just could be like there's a whole range of how intense it could be so if we consider that i mean that would in turn be biological then but if you consider that like an environmental factor then that could be one but i understand what you mean like their upbringing and stuff i didn't see as much of that associated in this given like what they were talking about with the executive functioning and stuff i do feel like a lot of that is like obviously so much of psychology is like nurture and nature but i think this is one of those things where it's like really nature oriented uh in the psychology today article they wrote I read they kind of talked about it like for under causes it says the causes aren't well known physiological models are investigating potential relationship between hormones and behavior particularly the role of aggression there's some evidence that pedophilia may run in families though it's unclear whether this stems from genetics or learned behavior and then a history of childhood sexual abuse is another potential factor in the development of pedophilia although this has not been proven Behavioral learning models suggest that a child who is the victim or an observer of inappropriate sexual behaviors may become conditioned to imitate these same behaviors. These individuals deprived of normal social and sexual context may seek gratification through less socially acceptable means. So it's like they don't have like evidence that it leads to it, but like it's kind of showing like that that can influence it. Like environmental factors could influence it. I can totally see that, especially if someone – if someone already had just the predisposition to potentially experience like pedophilic disorder, I can see if then in there, and maybe even without this, but get, let's assume that they did have that predisposition already biologically. If they grew up in an environment where they witnessed that or experienced it themselves, then that was even more okayed. So that could also be you like push the them difference. over the edge. Yes, yes, exactly. So that, that could even be the difference between someone who, let's say, both people had pedophilic disorder in general, 
but someone who acted on it versus someone who doesn't act on it. You know, like I can definitely see the environmental aspect playing a huge role in terms of the actual acting on it, as opposed to yeah. like, you know, realizing that like they feel ashamed and want to work through it or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. I feel like that's like a lot of serial killers are sociopaths or psychopaths, but not all psychopaths or sociopaths are serial right. killers. It's like the kind of thing where like, oh, they they had these mental issues, but then if we look in their past, there's this, this, and this. Like, I feel like that's kind of what – it seems like that's what's going to come out about like pedophilia as they research more into it of like, okay, you have these predispositions, but the offenders also have like typically have this in their past. Right. I um I found the thing about left-handedness and stuff. So <laughs> so in prenatal and early postnatal testosterone that develops like I don't know that helps masculine masculinize and defeminize neural networks in males and what they found is that during the periods of time where testosterone had organizational effects on the brain, it programmed behavior and also that level of exposure to testosterone also was during the same time that like your handedness, so being left-handed, total digit length for your fingers, how long your fingers are, and everything else is also developed during that time, and that those neuroendocrinological developmental differences are activated during puberty, which is when Hmm. that could, when pedophilia could occur. Because I don't really, well, I mean, it can't occur during adolescence because you're still a minor, I guess, but like when your sexual interests and preferences, I guess, develop during that time. So it is interesting, I guess, like in this situation, what they're linking is a potential relationship with testosterone and that, and also the relationship with testosterone and things like handedness and stuff like that. So being left-handed means you're more masculine? You're exposed to more testosterone? I guess, possibly. It's not causal, but like possibly. The relationship that they're making is that it's happening at the same time as the, as testosterone is playing that big a role in your in your mind. So I find it hard to, like, it's okay. it has to play a role. Whether yeah. or not it's like the main thing, it has to play a role because it's like at the same time that that hormone is so responsible for so many, so much programming of our brains. And I guess like, I think left-handedness is also, yeah, left-handedness is more common, I believe, in people were like pedophilic so like age prepubescent minors versus hebophilic men apparently show not like a preference for left-handedness specifically which is also very interesting i also found some things with some like specific case studies showing how neurological diseases as well as like potential traumatic brain injuries could trigger this because okay like there's this famous case study i guess where there was a a 40 year old man i mean this was a a tumor so it's a little bit different but it's a neurological disease he had an orbitofrontal tumor so i guess that would still be in the prefrontal cortex or around there at least that would definitely be affected it was a 40 year old man who prior to the discovery of his tumor had overtly claimed no sexual interest in children, but after the tumor progressed, he made sexual advances to his prepubescent stepdaughter and began a a pornography collection, including child pornography, resulting from impulse control loss associated with orbitofrontal cortex dysfunction. Interesting. And the thing is, his symptoms, all pedophilia-like symptoms, like literally all of them disappeared after his tumor was removed, which is like crazy. Really interesting. Yeah. So that definitely shows that there's some level, obviously with everything, there is some level of like some neurological thing going on, but I feel like a lot of disorders and stuff like that are a little bit more nebulous, like, and could be more of our environment than affecting our brain biology and stuff like that. But this is something that I feel like is very, very 
based in like something within people. Like I, I hate even saying that because it makes I feel like that like creates like a negative self fulfilling prophecy, and that's not the case because like people can be helped and like prevented from doing these things. Like we talked about in the beginning of this episode, it shouldn't be inherently shameful to have those intrusive thoughts and stuff like that. You know, just like work towards getting better and to like finding other ways to experience like you know sexual pleasure and stuff like that that isn't pedophilic, obviously. So it's but it's interesting to see that so much of it is like very linked into like people's like innate biology in some case in this case it's different because it was a man who got a tumor but still like it was something that was very much affecting his brain biology during that time and also like the clear majority of people with orbital frontal tumors do not experience like at least from what we know pedophilic urges or anything like that it was in this person's case but like they didn't find any sign of that before like he could have been lying but based on the study it didn't seem like he was lying before that it seemed like a stark difference that happened once that once that tumor began yeah like i feel like if they thought maybe he was lying they wouldn't have right or at least i hope that they wouldn't have like published the results in that manner if they were like well maybe he was just like trying not to be like yeah i like children and then when he got the tumor he had less inhibition right right and i'm saying something else that says so the findings supported that the dysfunction in the prefrontal cortex oh okay so the dysfunction in the prefrontal cortex it may prompt like a predisposition of sexual attraction to children through disinhibition interesting okay so what this is saying basically is like they might already have had that like i don't know that urge and maybe not even consciously had it, but then like the effects on the prefrontal cortex with like ha- not having that inhibition anymore could almost like trigger, I don't want to say like gene cause like it's much more complicated than a gene that's linked to this or anything. But like if we're using that to simplify it, if there was some like recessed gene that was activated with this disinhibition, which is really interesting to think of like how much inhibition has to do with this. I mean, it makes sense. Like inhibition is like what stops us from actually acting on these things, but it's interesting that like, the inhibition even like prevents us from like having that attraction or it could for some people. Yeah. Yeah. And there are also other, other potential neurobiological like theories. Like this is when it has to do with like the prefrontal cortex. There are also some theories having to do with like the temporal cortex, which in that case, I guess it's more from a place of like sexual preoccupation with like an urge to be like sexually satisfied versus the inhibition of like acting on your urges in general, if that makes sense. I mean, it gets a little muddied with that, but there are different theories for like different implications with different parts of the brain that have been associated with this behavior. I do think that in general, the prefrontal cortex stuff is probably or orbital frontal cortex stuff is the most commonly researched because that one is the one that has shown the most of a correlation. There was something else I saw. Oh, okay. This is the head injury part that I saw. So pedophilic men in at least incarcerated individuals should have doubled the rate of head injuries before age 13. Though after 14 years of age, head injuries didn't seem to play as much of a correlation with something like this. It must be just like at what point your age or your brain developed, like after a certain point, that part of it can't be as influenced by brain damage. Right. Yeah. Because it's traumatic brain injury. Right. Right. Because, yeah, before age 13. Okay. I'm not. Okay. It's saying, well, prenatal perturbations. Influence cognitive functioning and disorder development. So can head injuries resulting in unconsciousness in child, especially before age 13. This is a result of cortical development, plasticity. So yeah, the like plasticity, it's like 
ability to change. Yeah. So basically right. like kind of what I was saying, like it's right. still able to change relatively easily compared to when yeah, it's that, more that, that, that's why I guess that's why I'm confused if it's I know it's still able to change relatively easily before age 13 and still after them, but like very much so before age 13. So I guess that's why I'm a little confused by this finding with how people oh actually never mind I, I was confused about if that's the case why people before age 13 with head injuries with head injuries before age 13 showed more of pedophilic behavior but i guess it's because like their abilities to even have the plasticity could have been affected itself is that what you well, said? well i think no i think what it is is that you need pedophilic behavior is not the norm or like pedophilic attractions you need certain things to quote unquote go wrong to like get there and so i think maybe stuff was maybe gonna go wrong but was fine and then the brain injury made it actually go wrong so then they had the pedophilic thing whereas like later on that neuro pathway has been developed and so it can't be changed by a brain injury like that i see what you're saying like it's it's no longer it's not like they got hit in the head and it completely changed what direction their like s- sexual fantasies were going to go. But it's right. like maybe it was kind of wobbly and it allowed it since it was still – there was high plasticity in it, meaning it was very much able to change. It changed the wrong way. Right. It's not that they were already had them and then had a brain injury and it didn't fix it. It's that they maybe wouldn't have had it without the brain injury. Right, right. That is so interesting. And yeah, it's saying pedophilic participants reported a significantly higher number of head injuries that resulted in a loss. So it's specifically ones that resulted in a loss of consciousness. And prior to age 13, then did non-pedophilic child sexual offender participants. These results are also positively correlated with the ADHD diagnosis, which again makes complete sense. Not again, not the pedophilic link, but just like the effects of the brain on ADHD and left-handedness specifically too. So like that also people with, I guess in this case, pedophilic participants who had a higher number of head injuries before age 13 also were more likely to be left-handed. And more importantly, the the more child victims each pedophile had correlated positively with, with each additional head injury before age 13 but not those sustained later in adolescence or adulthood. Interesting. That is so, I mean, that makes sense, but I just can't believe how, I mean, I, I fucking know the importance of like, I know the significance of traumatic brain injuries and head injuries and stuff like that, but I can't believe that it even affects having more child victims as well. Yeah. I, but it also makes sense because it's like less inhibition. Yeah. yeah. Damn. That's everything I have. There is a lot more to go into because I am interested in like, what you said Nikki earlier about like specifically like why in Hollywood I still don't I want to learn why that specifically I know that it has to do with like the power dynamic a lot and I just want to find some sort of like theory piece on it even if it's more of like a maybe less psychological more like philosophical or social commentary type of thing because I I do want to understand why although I think it's like very primarily linked to the power dynamic that we've discussed but yes this is everything that I found for the most part on like the neural the possible neurobiological links of pedophilia jilly what do you have to add um i feel like I you've been know. very quiet this episode <laughs> i don't really know what else to add <laughs> that's fine it's, it's i just didn't want to yeah as usual with this stuff like i did a lot of research ahead of time well like in the last like week and then today i looked over it again so i could remember what i was like talking about um it sucks though because every time i do re- this time i was able to do like more in advance than i usually have done in the past but it's like i wish i wish that i had more I wish I wish that there was I wish I had a, a more I mean, not that I wouldn't be able to have an answer for this, but I wish I had a more comprehensive 
analysis because I always want that. Like I want like the full shebang with like even like the social aspect of it and everything. Um, but it's just hard to do and my expectations for myself are never met. So, <laughs> but I hope that in this discussion, it was still helpful. It definitely was. And I also think that they don't know either. They yeah, being the, the people who are this. conducting the studies, you know, like yeah. there's not enough studies done on enough people for us to have actual conclusive answers to like know anything for sure true yeah because then also like you said Chasel, like a lot of the studies are going to be done on inmates because nobody yeah not nobody but most people would not be like yo yeah i'm a pedophile won't you study me i'll do your <laughs> yeah, study right. like right that's not so then the <laughs> inmates are like yeah whatever i got caught anyways but then yeah it's gonna skew results because they're in such an extreme environment that right. that's inherently gonna affect them so. yeah. right wait yeah i mean i i know i like brought that up earlier but now i guess like to wrap it up like yeah it's also even it's also really fucking hard to say that because i was even believing what they were saying and it's still there is still some truth to it but i was even believing what they're saying about the head injury and all that stuff which like 100 percent, i can see there being a link not the cause but a link for sure but now i'm remembering that it's mainly all these studies have been done on incarcerated individuals which in itself i'm not saying that they have different brain chemistry or anything like that but in itself to commit like some sort of like crime like that in general any sort of like violent crime to an extent but yeah now i'm thinking about it, i'm like okay well now I, I, in my own mind, I was getting more of like a nice little wrapped up answer saying this, not that it was the whole cause, but I thought, oh my God, that's a very like direct link. That makes sense. But I'm like, okay, wait, no, but the prefrontal cortex already has to, uh, uh, some sort of like damaged prefrontal cortex already has to do with like disinhibition, which in itself is something that is most more commonly seen in incarcerated individuals. So now I'm even more like, okay, well back to square one. (laughs) So, (laughs) but yeah. Yeah. It is interesting to think about how inhibition as an overarching term is like literally so closely correlated with our collective idea of morals and like how what we deem as good and wrong in our society are like things. I don't know. I'm just thinking about how everything, everything is connected. (laughs) No, Jill, that's a really good point. Like for like, it's, we really I'm be like, in a society. <laughs> no, literally really be in a society because I'm like, damn, like every single sort of like moral law that we have, aside from like actual laws, which is like moral laws, I can't remember what those are called, but you know, just like socially accepted things, they all have to do with like um, praising inhibition. Like truly like everything, which at the yeah. same time, like, I mean, inhibition is clutch, you know, like it prevents us <laughs> from doing like really bad things. So it's great, but it just is interesting, like, almost like the religious undertones with that too. Yeah. I'm just thinking of just general like sexual things and inhibition, which a lot of times, obviously it is good to have that inhibition, but it's just like crazy how it's we're praised. And I myself have majorly internalized this and I'm constantly working through it. Um, have praised self-control to a crazy extent of like dampening our own like urges because I'm constantly just in general like my whole life I'm trying to unlearn I'm trying to learn that it's okay to be human and have human urges because my whole life I've thought that like if I if I succumb to my human urges like I'm a bad person so it's it's just interesting I think a big part of the narrative is like as humans we're so proud of our inhibition because that that's what makes us different from the animals is like what a lot of like I think that's how people would simplify right. it of like well we can say like I'm hungry I'm gonna go get this to eat and it's it's gonna affect this and this and this whereas like a dog is gonna see something and eat it and not like you know there's no like 
thought process behind the urges, which like urges are like to eat and go to the bathroom and all that kind of stuff. And there are sexual urges too. And so I think that's why people are like, oh, like that's what makes us human. Like we should be proud of it. Like listen to your intuition, like blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yes, but also like the urges are like also what makes us human. Like if we didn't have the urges, we wouldn't be human and so by acting like the urges are inherently bad and like intuition is inherently good yeah isn't fair like because it's like the urges aren't inherently bad they're they're there and what you do with the urges makes it good or bad there's one tiktok i watched that was like i really i really struggle with intrusive thoughts that's one big anxiety thing and i really liked what she said with the in the TikTok because people are like, oh my God, eh, like listen to your intrusive thoughts. Intrusive thoughts, I just dyed my hair. And it's like, no, that's not like an intrusive thought. Like an intrusive <laughs> thought, like she and she made a really good point. She's like, intrusive thoughts are like violent or incestual or pedophilic or something like that, where it's like you have the thought. And then you're like, why the fuck did I just think that? And it's really scary. Like, that's like, I swear my brain will be like, what is the most depraved thought I can have in this moment? And I'm going to have it. And then I'm going to, like, literally, it's so self-induced anxiety. It gives me anxiety that I had it because I'm like, oh, is that truly me? So one thing I really work on is, like, letting thoughts pass through my brain. Like, you open the door and it comes in and then you're like, no, I don't want you, so send it out the back door. And I feel like that's, like, what we need to do with, like, urges. But we're told, like, you need to you, – you have the urge. Have it sit there and you have to analyze it and think about why you had it. And then use your intuition to be like, that was awful of me to have it. And then you can send it out the back door. And so it's just like, you just have urges, dude. Like, you're a human, you know? Well, right. you saying that right now, it's just absolutely fucking crazy because at least, like – I don't want to oversimplify, but however, in this case, in my mind, at least it literally feels like – this truly simple it feels like specifically christianity entirely is yeah the latter of what you just or not the latter the former of what you just said with the two options of like yeah, yeah, they're analyzed like yeah it's like inherently yeah. connecting that with like who you are as a person like your values everything and it's like that is just so problematic i mean that's the whole foundation of literally every every sort of corrective measure they take is based on that i mean i'm thinking of like conversion camps among every other thing that they do among confessionals or whatever the fuck gross yeah well that's one thing again under this umbrella that i've like worked on in the past i'm definitely a lot better about it now um but it's like you are not your thoughts you are your actions for better for worse so like when you have like an intrusive thought or an urge or something like that, and I guess this could be said about what we're saying with the pedoph- pedophilia of like, you can have those thoughts and be like, I don't want those thoughts. Those are really, really bad thoughts like that. I really don't like that. How you act on it is more indicative of who you are as a person than you having that thought. Because there are right. so many things that are going to you having that thought be brain chemistry or trauma or an injury or something like that. And I think how you act on it ends up being more important i agree yeah Yeah. i i kind of view it as like of a facet of self-awareness in a way that like that's true obviously it's negative or at least unhelpful to view things in that light but sometimes like in a different way it can be helpful to make you uh, like recognize the opposite end of things that's true well that was the episode i know it was kind of heavy and heavy like 
we gave a lot of information, which is good, but also <laughs> heavy like, topic-wise. So yeah, thank you for listening. I think we're probably going to have, we're for sure going to have another episode in this series about it because we want to dive more into now Hollywood specifically. We might have one more after that. We'll see. We just keep coming up with ideas <laughs> as we go on, which is why we didn't give a specific number in the first place. But yeah, thanks again for listening. And you can find us every other Tuesday on pretty much any platform now that has podcasts and definitely Spotify and Apple Music and you can follow us on our social media that's kind of wavy we're on Twitter and Instagram bye, bye.